Well, it's everybody's favorite time on Savvy Citizen. It's time for Talking Trash. My name's Adam Gobb. I'm here with my co-host, Elizabeth Harry. And today we're going to be talking with Marcy Smith, who's in charge of our recycling and landfill operations for Gaston County. Marcy recently made a presentation to a budget conference, and so we're going to be talking to her a little bit about what she dug into there for the budget folks. We're going to be talking about some of the most innovative practices at our recycling and landfill operations and why that means for you savings in your pocket. Welcome into another edition of Savvy Citizen. I'm here with my co-host Elizabeth Harry and we're joined today um, by Marcy Smith, who is the Solid Waste and Recycling Administrator for Gaston County. And Marcy, you've been with Gaston County for uh, just a little while now, haven't you? 17 years yeah. now? Yeah. Yes, it's, it's been a little bit. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So clearly, clearly you either like it or, or you're trapped somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, depending on the day. A little, yeah. it, it, little it bit may, of both. It may feel like each, yes. Um, I, I actually went to college to manage landfills. So wow. this, I didn't just fall into the landfill at Gaston County. That, that was the, the whole point in going to school. That what? was my goal before I started. What's that degree called? I don't think I've ever heard of well, like a landfill management degree. My degree is ecology and environmental biology. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, however, my father was a solid waste director mm-hmm. for 30 years. So wow. I spent my childhood around so you, solid waste. you come by this. This is in your genes. It is. It is. There's there's a running joke that I was raised in a landfill and just haven't found my way out yet. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to own it. I have to own it. But being around it that much... I got to see a lot of change growing up, seeing my dad deal with things, and it just intrigued me. There, there was so much that still needed to change for us to be sustainable managing this moving forward. So that was, that was how I got interested, how I got into it. Where did he work growing up? Lincoln County. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, not only have yeah. you done the landfill business, but, like, locally? Yes. Wow. Yes. That's uh, cool. So the, the podcast today, we're talking to you a little bit about something that uh, at least – for Elizabeth and I kind of struck us a little bit outside the norm is that you presented recently at a budget conference. I did. What, how, how did that invade come about and, and what was that even, <laughs> how did that approach even happen? Well, we do tours out at the landfill. So pre-pandemic, we, we actually did a lot of tours. So whether it be school kids, daycares, um, civic groups, scouts, all sorts of different folks come out and we do tours. We really enjoy it. It's it's just a matter of sharing that information with folks. It's we don't typically talk trash a lot, just in general. Most folks don't, and so it's nice to to get them to come to our place, get to show them what we do, and get them excited about what we do. So, as we've been going through the pandemic, those tours have have slowed down a sure. lot. Um, but we've had a, a lot of new employees come into Gaston County, and so. I was actually contacted by Justin Amos and Alex Norman about coming out and doing a tour of our facility. And okay. this was probably August, September of, of 21. And so they came out. We did a tour. Um, they apparently got really excited about what they saw and then came back and asked if I would be interested in presenting at the Winter Budget Conference. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So as, some, as someone who has taken a tour of the landfill, I can attest it is really cool and really fun. I think my favorite part was when we were in that room that was really loud and you had to wear ear protective. What, what room was that? So that's our generator room. So yeah. that's over at our Renewable Energy Center. And we have three 
generators running full time over there. It's extremely loud. Yeah, so we have sound suppression in that whole building, so you don't get knocked out everywhere in there. But yeah, that's that's one of our showpiece facilities over there. Really yeah. excited about and that one. Learned so much about what y'all do. I mean, you were just talking about you know landfill business running in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I remember on this tour, you talked a lot about the innovations that we're doing here in Gaston County. Uh, there are different things that I had never heard of or ever considered. Like who knew that we're making money off of our trash? Right. Right. By producing power. Yeah. 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 Can you uh, like explain that a little bit for listeners who might not be aware? Absolutely. Um, so waste in general, um, when it breaks down, it produces gas. So if it's a carbon-based waste, an organic waste, you're going to have methane that's produced uh, as the waste is degrading. So methane is a greenhouse gas. And historically, for for years, for decades, um, landfills manage that as a liability. So, sure. so more or less, we saw that we wanted to stop having gas collected at the facility to make sure we had no explosions, no no crazy issues like that. And is that is that what I'm seeing when I see those flares that are like burning off gas? Is that's what's ha- that's what's happening? That that's a safety thing. That's it. That's it. So at those facilities, you have an active collection system mm-hmm. where you just have wells that are all around your landfill, and you have that system on a vacuum. So you're constantly pulling that gas as it's being generated into your system. And burning it off. So you are destroying it and Mm -hmm. and burning that gas off. We did that for years. Um, Felt like there was a higher level use for some of that energy. And so started doing some feasibility studies back in the early 2000s. And um, looked like we had a lot more gas than than what we thought we did to Mm -hmm. begin with. And so finally had enough to start thinking power production side of things. We were talking small micro turbines in the beginning. Um, and after enough of these feasibility studies, we saw we had enough gas to run two generators full-time. Um, we've ramped up to three generators full-time now, and we'll possibly be bringing on a fourth in the next two or three years. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So, so this we, is why the budget folks are interested. <coughs> <laughs> it's a moneymaker. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's diversifying our portfolio. So, right, we... we we are an enterprise fund, mm-hmm. so we're we're trying to, our our financial stability matters. It's it's not something we can turn around and go back to the board and say, you know, we've we've run out of money this year. What what do we do? And and so we're constantly looking at ways to insulate us from market changes. Mm-hmm. So because um, also trash tends to follow the economy. Really. So, um, when the economy is rolling, we get more trash. People buy more. You have more money yeah, in your, in your pocket. So more things are, are being thrown away. Mm. Um, when we hit a recession, we tend to see less waste coming in. Um, but we still have all the cost associated with managing it. So mm. you try to do everything you can to insulate yourself from those years, the down years. Especially because we're in local government, you know, in we talk a lot about uh, like public goods and what's good for uh, you know our citizens. There are certain things that governments have to do that you just have to provide all the time, no matter what, to everyone. And one thing that people might not know about our landfill in Gaston County is that it's totally self-supporting. Your revenue supports the costs of of business of your landfill. That's really amazing. How long did it take y'all to get to that point? I've 
I, I will tell you, it was there when I got there. So, oh, wow. So okay. I've been so this here. Is so we, we've been an enterprise fund since before I was here. So that was Ray Maxwell's in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Ray's still here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Ray. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Ray has had some amazing ideas. The power plant, that was that was one of his big drivers um, before he got out of that position. Um, yeah, he's got an innovative mind as well so he he does really good at at poking us to to think outside of the box mm-hmm. you know and it's we we're all guilty of falling into how we've always done things you know and so getting back to conferences in general some of the best ideas we've ever implemented we've heard from someone else at a conference sure. so I, I i think they're they're so beneficial to to our staff to get to attend just because it's it's new ways that other counties are doing great things, mm-hmm. and and it's not just for them, you know, and and doesn't always mean it's going to translate for Gaston County. But some of the really great ideas we put into place, you know, we've we've totally heard from other people doing it first, and and then tried to work it into our operations. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you you a lot of times go to these conferences and you just get inspired, and it's like whether whether you have an idea that you take away from that, and it's like oh, I want to replicate that, or it's just it gets your wheels turning and it's like, Oh, Absolutely. like it makes you think about some of the things that you're doing back home. And it's like, Oh, how can I, how can we tweak this? Or, Oh, we could do this program program better. So. Right. One of, one of the best ones we got from a conference was actually <clears throat> how we do our daily covered now. So mm-hmm. we are required um, by federal and state rules to cover the garbage every day. Okay. So the, the federal requirement is six inches of dirt. We have to cover the garbage with every day. Well, we're open 312 days a year. So if we cover garbage with six inches of dirt every every day, we're wasting 150 so feet of airspace every year. So okay. And by airspace, you you just mean like the pile getting higher? <coughs> yes. Okay. Well, and, and I'll tell you from from my perspective, airspace is our commodity. Oh. That's what we sell. Mm. So if if we run out of space to put the trash, we can't put any more in. We can't make any more money. So that airspace, that that available space, is our commodity. Um, so we want to try to use it as best we can. We want to compact as much trash into as small a space as possible every day. Sure. Um, I was at a conference, it was probably 15 years ago, and there was a lady doing a presentation about an alternate daily cover program. And it, it's essentially a slurry that is mixed up that gives you a product um, akin to a Portland cement once you spray it on the garbage. So it's okay. Very thin, takes up very minimal airspace. Um, like what were you talking about? Six inches versus uh, millimeters. Whoa! Yes, so it's it's just a, a a spray that we put over top of the garbage every day. But in this presentation, this lady's talking about, it and she goes, "Yes, the additive we use in it is latex paint, waste latex paint." I wasn't even thinking about it from an airspace perspective. At that time, we were covered up with waste latex paint from our household hazardous waste collection events. That was the most expensive product we were having to manage out of those events. And it was like, wait a minute, we can actually use it. We don't have to pay to have it recycled. So it means we could theoretically take in more, offer more service to our customers if we can do this. Oh, wow. I came back, we started looking at some numbers on things, um, contacted DEQ, so North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality, they're one of our regulators, um, and started a demonstration period with them. It took about 18 months, 
And so for the last 12 years, we've been using posi shell and waste latex paint to cover our garbage every day. So we're using a waste product to cover the garbage every day using five and a half less inches than we normally did. So yeah. That's knocking out yes. like so many birds with one yes. stone. It's amazing. <laughs> so we're not, we're not hauling dirt 10 hours a day every day. So we're, wow. we don't have that fuel, the equipment maintenance cost of doing that. We are, again, using a waste product. So we've been able to do more with our HHW program because we don't have the cost of getting rid of or recycling that waste latex because we're actually reusing it as opposed to recycling it. Mm-hmm. Is this something that other governments are doing? Or they is this, do. Is this they kind do. of an innovative solution still? I mean, it's it's not commonplace, so I won't say that. It's okay. There, there are probably less than 10 landfills in North Carolina that use it. Um, but that's also just a function of... We all like to use what we know works. And True. nobody wants to be on the bleeding edge of technology and, and get lit up with the regulators after mm. that. <laughs> so we're, we're skittish to try new things, but it doesn't mean we should be adverse to trying new things. Mm-hmm. So. Because more so than some of our other departments, you guys have a lot of environmental regulations, federal regulators that are checking <laughs> what you do to make sure, and, and for good reason, to Absolutely. make sure that you know there's nothing hazardous that's leaking into the water table or anything like that. No, so we are, we are inspected and regulated from a groundwater perspective, from a surface water, um, air quality, land quality, sedimentation and erosion control. Um, those are at the state level. Then we also uh, have a federal air permit that we're, we're regulated with and inspected on. So, yeah, we, we get inspected a lot. But those <laughs> are all good things. I mean, a landfill is a hazardous environment mm-hmm. inherently. Um, we don't want to impact the community that we live and work in. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure our facility is managed as best as possible. And so we're just trying to take steps to do that in the best way possible, but you do have to be a little bit worried. You don't want to try something new and, and it go horribly wrong, right? Absolutely. You know, and so a lot of times we end up not necessarily trying things we probably should just because <laughs> we, we know that this is safe, this is consistent, and that's the way we go. But we do like we like to do research on different things. We don't, we don't jump off every idea that we hear about, but it, it's nice to hear new ideas. You talked about it's not commonplace for kind of the the coating that you guys use in terms of other landfills. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the Renewable Energy Center? Are there other counties in North Carolina that do something similar, or is that also fairly unique for, for Gaston County? There are other counties that do something similar. Uh, I will say the thing that, that sort of sets us apart on the Renewable Energy Center is that we both own and operate it. Okay. So that's, that's, that's pretty unique in the landfill gas to energy world. Um, most times it's third-party developers who okay. are coming in on those projects. Um, and, and we just had some some great folks out at our facility when, when these ideas were coming up. I mean, I will tell you, all, a lot of things um, we lucked into. We, we found <laughs> some fantastic people who had experience in exactly what we were about to get started in, so they were wonderful for us. Um, but then we will, we like researching new things. So we, I, we really will. Like everyone on staff will, will take a different facet of, of a new project we're looking at and kind of see what's, what's the potential hurdles we've got to get over here, what's the potential backlash we could have from this. Right. So um, I think we do a lot on the front end to ensure we don't have as many hiccups on the back end. Mm-hmm. With the Renewable Energy Center, so you're – 
you're powering all the operations at the landfill? No. No, okay. Um, so with our power purchase agreement, it's a buy all, sell all. Okay. So we have to buy all of the energy that we use from the local power company okay. for operations on site at both the Renewable Energy Center and the landfill. But everything we produce, we sell. Got so it. So it offsets it, basically. Right, right. Now, at the Renewable Energy Center, we do have a rooftop solar array, and that helps offset the parasitic load of just the building. So okay. there's not so much power consumption going on at that facility. Got it. So, Elizabeth, you said you got to take a tour. When was that? It was when I just started Gaston County. I was a fellow um working part-time here, and it was one of the first things I did is get to go see the landfill, and I gotta say, it was a good first experience. <laughs> Which is interesting, because you wouldn't think it's like, one of the first things we want to take our fellows to <laughs> is the landfill. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in budget, uh, you work with every single department, and I, everyone in a budget office at least thinks that it's really important to really know what people are doing out there because mm -hmm. you know we ha have to sit behind a excel spreadsheet all day basically <laughs> uh and uh, you never want to lose touch with what those numbers are all about and yeah. i don't know it also makes the work a little more fun i think when you can see what the dollars are being used for um but yeah it was super worthwhile i think the 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 thing that surprised me the most about that tour was learning about all of the challenges with recycling, which I had never considered before. Yep. I didn't realize that we're, you know, having such difficulty nationally selling our recycling. I mean, this is something I've heard about, but uh, Marcy, you told me a bunch of things that I never knew. Okay, okay. Well, and really with the recycling markets, it's it's been new for us in the business for the last two years, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Recycling's been an evolution. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it really has for, for the last 30 years. And I, I think there's still a lot of misconceptions from the general public about what happens with recycling, revenue associated with recycling, how, how all of this works. Well, and let's bust some myths, myths uh, okay. here. There you go. <laughs> okay. uh, revenue is just about non-existent mm -hmm. from, from recycling. So by that you mean we used to be able to sell our recycling to, like, China. That's... That's what I vaguely know of from well, the internet. <laughs> long story, yes, yes. So individually, no. Okay. We, we have local partners that we work with. Okay. So there are MRFs, so that's M-R-F. Uh, it's a material recycling facility or material recovery facility. So counties collect recyclables. They would take it to this facility to be processed, and then those processors would ship it um, to either an end user or if it's less than desirable materials overseas mm -hmm. to China for processing. Um, China decided two years ago they were tired of getting our trash, you know, because a, a lot of this was recyclables that weren't easily marketable stateside. So it was more or less a waste product for the U.S. that, that we were shipping over there. And I, I can understand why they did that. You know, if we couldn't yeah. find outlets or, or end users for this, we, we can't really expect China to find that either. And it was sort of a, a reckoning for the whole system. Like, we, we really need to rethink how we have 
educated the public on it, the information that we put out there, and and how we're managing that internally. So, and what what are you what are you talking about? Are you talking about like, you know, people aren't sorting things correctly, or we're giving putting dirty things into the, these are the things that I know we're not supposed to do. Is that yes, what you're talking to about? Yes, all of those. Okay. Yes, to all of those. So. Most municipalities, most counties offer different types of recycling programs. We're, we're nowhere near the same. So we, we all offer something different. Uh, a lot of folks go to single stream recycling, and single stream is where you would put multiple different items in one container. So your mm-hmm. plastic can go in there, your paper can go in there. Um, that breeds a lot of contamination. So when you're putting multiple things in one bin, um, it's harder to identify the trash. That makes sense. Right, right. <laughs> so, so it's much easier to contaminate, which is a nightmare for those processing facilities. So they think they're getting clean recyclables, and really they're getting mixed waste and recyclables. Mm-hmm. Um, a huge cost for them, um, huge operations cost, can be nightmares for a lot of their equipment that they're working with. Things like plastic bags, stuff like that will junk up their conveyor systems, mess up belts. Um, so that's with single stream. But the flip side of that is single streams a lot easier for the individual. So you I'm get sure recycling rates are higher with right, single stream. Right, but, but are we really recycling more? Or are we just showing folks a higher number because mm. we're accepting more trash under the guise of recyclables, mm-hmm. right? So that's our, our industry's been reckoning with this for, for 15 years to, to how to best relay the information to our residents to make it as easy as possible but still have standards for what we accept and, and how we accept it. Um, now in Gaston County, at all of our recycling facilities, we take individual streams. So there is a container for cardboard. There's a container for plastic. There's a container for aluminum. Um, that really insulated us well when the market collapsed two years ago with nothing going to China because we had clean recycling streams, which means a lot of the processors were actually fighting for our material as opposed to telling us we couldn't use their facilities anymore. So it's not as easy on the front end. It puts a little bit more responsibility on the the citizen to Mm -hmm. to source separate and to make sure they're bringing us clean recyclables, but it also ensures the longevity of our program because we have partners that know they're getting clean material from us um, so we don't get turned away from facilities because when you get turned away with a a dirty load of recyclables, where's it going? It's going to the landfill. Well, I was going to say it just becomes trash at that point, right? Right, and... So money-wise, recycling's never been a, a huge revenue generator. What it does is helps us avoid the cost of putting that in the landfill. It doesn't take up my airspace, my commodity. Mm. So it helps us save that space for true waste product and, and puts those recycling materials back into the system to be, to be reused. Are there long-term costs with like a closed landfill cell? Yes, yes. So we are required by our permit. Um, we're essentially on the hook, or we are liable for our facility 30 years post-closure. Oh, wow. So if we were to close the Gaston County landfill today for at least 30 years, we would still be doing methane monitoring, leachate monitoring, maintaining the sites, doing all of that. So uh, most of the cost that's associated with an open landfill, mm-hmm. you will still have for 30 years post-closure. Yeah, so that 
is a cost diversion, yes. definitely, to, yes. <laughs> to be able to sh- reuse all of that waste. Right, and it, it's hard for folks to see that because that's something we're avoiding in the future. Yeah, you know, that's pretty removed. It right. doesn't really relate to me in my day-to-day. Right, <laughs> I'm right. not getting paid 10 cents for my bottle. <laughs> that's why we do tours, right? Mm. Yeah. That's why we do so many of them, and it's just to, to put that realization out there that – we're going to continue to try to offer as many programs as we can to divert waste, but mm-hmm. we have to have the buy-in from our residents to mm-hmm. to put the right things into our system. Yeah. And going back to the, the presentation you made at the budget conference, kind of what, what were the highlights of, of what you were talking about and what was some of the feedback that you got from um, some of the uh, folks that attended? Uh, a lot of the things we've already been talking about this morning. So um, the the alternate daily cover is really cost-saving initiatives okay. that we've been doing in our division, um, how we implement those, the impact that those have had. And so we did. We we talked about the alternate daily cover. We talked about the Renewable Energy Center um, because, obviously, the revenue that it generates from the power production is, is huge. Um, some other things that we do, uh, we sell carbon credits. So, again, with the destruction of a greenhouse gas, so methane, every carbon equivalent ton of methane that we destroy, we generate a carbon credit that we can then sell on a carbon market. So it's, it's very much like generating a stock okay. that we would then trade or sell on a stock market. Oh. So with the amount of gas that we've been harvesting and destroying every year, we generate around 80,000 credits a year, and then we sell those on the market. Now, the market has been volatile, to say the least. So I I have seen it from as high as $8 a credit Mm -hmm. to as low as a quarter a credit. Wow. um, And everywhere in between. So, um, but the revenue that we get from that, we actually put back into our gas system. So if I get $100,000 a year from selling carbon credits, we turn that back around, and within the next two, we'll be putting 10 extra gas wells in at the landfill. Oh. So more wells to be pulling more gas off the waste, to be producing more power, to create more carbon credits to backfeed into the system. So we do that with the carbon credits. Um, other things that we've done cost savings-wise, uh, this one's more operationally, and it's how we manage our leachate. So What's leachate? Leachate is any water that touches trash. Okay. That, oh. That's our industry term for it. So it'll be raining later this afternoon. Any of that rain that falls hits our facility can't be released into the environment. It makes Got sense, it. Yep. right? So what generally happens is the rain falls on the top of the landfill, and it acts like coffee or water going through a coffee filter, percolates down through the trash, mm-hmm. and then we have piping to collect all of that leachate, that liquid at the bottom of the landfill, collects it all, and we pump it to the city of Gastonia wastewater treatment plant. Now, historically with landfills, the way they're, they're built and, and they're managed is we have a liner, a plastic liner on the bottom, trash in the middle, liner on the top and then we seal it around that's a that's a very simplified way of of talking about how we build the landfills but when we when we seal it all the way around we don't give it air heat or light or water right Mm. so we put that waste in there and sealed it up but we're not promoting the degradation at all Mm. We're, we're just sealing it off from the environment which is also necessary right but again and i'll i'll give a 
I shout back out to Ray Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was working on a project early 2000s for leachate recirculation. So it's taking that water that we're already collecting at the bottom of the landfill and re-injecting it back into the top of the landfill and allowing it to percolate again down through the waste. So what that does is it re-injects heat, air, water. It promotes the degradation of the trash. Uh-huh. It also helps us limit how much leachate we're shipping to the city of Gastonia. Is, so do you have to pay for that? We do have to pay for that. Um, but just by, by pumping that back up, so we're, we're trying to supersaturate the landfill just mm-hmm. to promote as much degradation as possible. So we've actually been doing that since 2001 um, and have been able to realize some, some great airspace savings. Oh, we, wow. When we finished filling our Unit 1 cell, um, went to our Unit 2 cell and started building it. In, in the first two years that we were in Unit 2, we finished, we came back over to Unit 1, and we were able to refill for another 18 months in Unit 1 oh, after wow. we spent. The concept that that jumps into my mind is, is the idea of a perpetual landfill, you know, that allow, allowed us in a very short time period to regain airspace. So then immediately in my mind, I'm like, this is setting up a hopscotch pattern around the facility. You know, if we can plan this correctly and we can gain enough time in each space, by the time we make it back to this certain cell, we'll be able to go six months, nine months in that cell and then move to the next. So, again, that's that's keeping that commodity of airspace, Mm -hmm. right? So, industry standard in a landfill for compaction rates is a thousand pounds per cubic yard so a bare minimum we want a thousand pounds of trash in a cubic yard of landfill now typically with our operations we're around 14 to 1500 pounds per cubic yard so we're above that standard we're doing well it's great in the cell that we've been doing the leachate recirculation in the longest um we're closer to 45,000 pounds no way right and it's just in all actuality, there's not 45,000 pounds in that cubic yard. Most of it has degraded. Right. It's, it's already broken down, but right. that's that's the way the numbers shake out because yeah. we've been able to realize that much more airspace that's in that area. It's funny. It's like we get into some of the details of the work that you guys are doing, and this is the sort of stuff that, like, your average citizen is going to have no idea about the details behind this, but, like, all of these different innovations and strategies – it ultimately is going to save the taxpayers money Absolutely. because it, the more you can extend the lifespan of these different cells, that's less cost in terms of having to go and develop a new cell or. Right. Right. Plus less argument over yes. locating a new landfill. Right. You know, I, I mean, the NIMBY rules from the eighties have not changed. Sure. <laughs> Most sure. folks would say they, they not don't in want, my backyard. Right. Yep. <laughs> Most folks don't necessarily want to co-locate with a landfill. And <laughs> and I, I can appreciate that. I, yeah. I will say on a personal note, I feel like we go out of our way with our neighbors. We have a really great relationship with the folks immediately around our facility. If, if they feel like something's off, they will give us a call. Okay. We have a pretty good open line of communication with them. But I also totally understand why somebody wouldn't want that to just move in right behind them with, with no notice. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to try to squeeze every ounce of airspace out of the current location as long as we can. How long have you been in the current location? Since 1987. Wow. Yeah. What's it, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of it depends upon like how big the site is and the number of cells and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. But like, what's the typical lifespan for, for a a typical landfill in terms of, you know, average size. And I know I'm asking a lot of 
you know. Yeah, that it's it that's tough. It's tough. It it, it totally depends on on size and volume of the waste coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, just how drastically it changes from one county to the next. Sure. Um, Gaston County landfill. So we're 350 acres total. Our facility. We get between 12 and 1400 tons a day. Lincoln County landfill. So our our neighbor to the left. They're 300 acres for their landfill. They receive 100 tons a day. Yeah, just different, huge difference. No comparison. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Um, there are pros and cons to both. You know, the economies of scale don't necessarily play out at 100 tons a day. Right. Yeah. You, you realize that better on the 1,000-plus ton a day end of the spectrum. But, yeah, I, I would say you're not going to locate a new facility for less than 50 years. Got it. I mean, just in general, you wouldn't go through all of the permitting, all of the construction, everything, if a landfill wasn't going to give you 50 years. So if you're looking for an average, I would say most people going in to build a new one are looking to get at least 50 out of the effort it would take to get a new facility permitted. And we're still looking, whatever it is, another 13 years down the road, but we're Maybe longer than that. My math is yeah. not so good. <laughs> yeah, but probably closer to 20, 25. Yeah. And that's that's just with the, the current projection so, and, and with the current build-out. So now when we permitted the facility in 1987, it had the build-out phase that we're, we're in right now. So, okay. I mean, we, we had projected building out to this point. Um, but then there's been a lot of changes over those almost 40 years now, you know, um, with how we manage things, with – with the volume of waste that's coming in, and, and our waste volume has changed drastically over the years. Oh, sure. we've, we've had high waste years, very low waste years, um, and have been as stable as I think we could have expected for probably the last five or so. And, and that's been stable, steadily moving up. So our, our volume is increasing. We're trying to learn that as our new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we started seeing an uptick in waste probably three, probably about five years ago. Um, we thought for a moment that the pandemic may slow that down, um, but it just changed forms. So it it took us a little bit of time to get our feet under us in, in March, April of 20, um, just learning the entry point for the waste and how it was coming now. Um, most commercial businesses closed down yeah. or, or the volume of waste fell off drastically. Um, household individual waste went through the roof. What's the difference between commercial and residential waste? From our perspective, it's how we manage it. So if I have a commercial truck coming in, um, it's a large roll-off truck or some of the front-end load trucks that, that handle dumpsters in, in town or whatnot, they're carrying 10, 11, 12 tons in a load, okay? We get 400 vehicles a day. So now if you take all of those commercial customers away, so that business is not producing its 10 tons in a week, Mm -hmm. but you send all those folks home. Every one of them are now producing a lot more than they normally were because they're home all the Mm -hmm. time. But then it's not being picked up and brought in by a commercial customer. So now you take 100 employees who are at home. They're all ratcheting up how much waste they're producing, and then they're all bringing it in individually. So it's volume of vehicles and volume of customers and how that number really exploded on us in, in 2020. So it's the, 
the volume of waste didn't necessarily go up, but the way it was coming in changed drastically. So it was just, we went from 200 vehicles to 400 vehicles. Wow. So it was, and instead of everyone coming across the scales at the landfill, there were a lot more folks using the recycling centers, using our convenience sites. Mm, so That makes sense. Yeah. It reminds me of the great toilet paper debacle. <laughs> I think the 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 best explanation I heard of, about it is that everyone used to use their office toilet paper, and suddenly, when you're not using your office toilet paper, interesting, everyone has to go get their own. But it's something to consider. It's a supply chain thing, right? Right. <laughs> I want to do a study for, you know, we're recording this in in late January, and we're looking at potential for snow again tonight for the third week in a row. Yay. Yeah. How many people go out and buy bread and milk and then have them go bad because they panic buy all the bread and milk? And then it's like, you don't actually need it. Right. See, now that's just the way we've always operated around here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, I, yeah. Milk, bread, and eggs. Yeah. I, I mean, don't even eat yeah. milk, bread, and eggs. Like, I mean, Normally, that's part right. of my normal grocery haul, I guess, but I don't need more of it. Right. It's right. snowing. I have no idea. Maybe maybe the milk from a snow cream perspective. I mean, maybe that's yeah. your necessity. You know, You've got to make that happen. That. That's a good idea. <laughs> I gotta I gotta find somebody with a good snow cream recipe because I've heard that that's a fun project and my daughter would probably enjoy that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's always good. <laughs> well, Marcy, thanks so much for for coming in for talking trash with us for talking um, recycling budget presentation. Kind of a a jack of all trades today. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to get to talk with you. Absolutely. No, no trash talking on the trash talk. There you go. <laughs> it's there a very you. it's a very clean podcast. <laughs> <laughs>